0: History is important to Luke. That is no more evident in Luke's gospel than in this morning's reading. He drops seven names in two verses. Tiberius, Pilate, Herod, Philip, Lysanias, Annas, Caiaphas. Big names. Big guns in their region. The men listed here by Luke are powerful men emperor governors rulers high priests these are the men who make the rules these are the men who punish those who break them part of luke's intent in mentioning these guys is to situate the story in a certain time in history luke's list could serve to legitimate his retelling see this really did happen i can tell you the time i can tell you the place i can tell you the people but there's more here I think Luke is also naming what our heroes are up against. Shortly before introducing John the Baptist, Luke lists some of the most powerful and ruthless people in the region. Luke is showing us that the deck is stacked. Over here, he's saying, we have seven of the most awe-inducing names in the area. And over here, John, a nobody born of nobodies, living nowhere. John doesn't stand a chance, Lucas pointing out. Or at least he shouldn't stand a chance. John. I'll just name it. John is not one of our more likable biblical friends. I always picture John as hygienically challenged. The sort of guy you tolerate because you should, grinning and bearing it the whole time. I imagine him as ranting and raving, almost but not quite crazy, spitting while he talks. But he's a prophet after all, so we put up with him. It's this guy, this raving, spitting, smelling weirdo, freshly in from the wilderness that is about to take on those big guns. That wilderness, the wilderness is a scary place to be, remote, most likely, and far, far away from that ruling government, far from polite society, in a place where there are no rules of fashion and no rules of gastronomy. John lived on the fringes. Many of you who have read your Bibles might perk up a bit when we hear about wilderness. A lot happens in the wilderness of the Bible, wandering, temptation, and, of course, Prophecy happens in the wilderness. Our gospel writer Luke highlights here that John's situation in the literal and figurative wilderness, the literal and figurative edges of society, places him as one in a long line of not-quite-crazy biblical prophets. John the prophet is, like his predecessors in that line of work, coming to stir things up. To make people scratch their heads and make the powers that be really, really angry. And so that's where we begin with John. Living in the wilderness far away from the center, far away from that which makes sense. And nobody living nowhere. And then the mystery of God takes over. The word of God came to John in the wilderness. The word of God came to John. And from there, John turned around and went back into society to make that word known to the people. We don't really know why it is that John was living way far away, way out there, but I'm sure it was much more convenient for a nobody prophet to be living away from ridicule. I dare say it was more comfortable for him. Our wilderness had become his home, and our home, comfortable, polite society, was John's wilderness. It's easy to be a crazy prophet out in the wilderness where there's no one to avoid you, no one to make fun of you or persecute you, no one to doubt you or be angry with you. John's challenge was that when the word of God came to him out in his safety, he up and brought that wilderness of faith, that wilderness of God's voice, into the center of society where, frankly, it was not entirely welcome. Those big guys that we mentioned earlier They don't really like competition. Any of you that have traveled in the developing world know about the wilderness that can come when we are outside of our own element. Maybe it's when a new language is swirling all around you or when you are forced to live more simply than you prefer. Friends of mine that have spent time in the Peace Corps or living abroad in remote areas tell me about the preparation that it takes to go there and then the long, long, steep learning curve of living in such a place. But, over time, the things once perceived as challenges are eventually accepted as part of a new lifestyle. Habits and rhythms adapt. And then, as difficult as going out into the wilderness can be, reentry can be worse like coming into harsh sunlight after a long sit in a dark theater, entering back into society where there is a gadget for everything and luxuries like clean water can be disorienting and painful. But these are the experiences that change us. For me, after traveling in Burma and being received by some of the most gracious people I have ever met, I learned more about being a gracious host and how attentiveness attentiveness, and a good pot of tea can outshine a lavishly prepared meal. I learned how to give a meaningful gift when economic resources are scarce. I don't know exactly if God's voice spoke to me in that wilderness, but I know I came back changed, and I wanted to talk about it with everyone." But those lessons we learn in hardship are difficult to retain when we are back in our comfortable world. After we recover from our shock and get settled again in our soft beds with our coffee makers and flushing toilets, those lessons can fade. We lose our edge when we cease to hear the voice that came to us in the wilderness. We can't feel the lessons as well when we are home from the wilderness, distracted by that which is plush and easy. John, our friend John the Baptist, had been living out in the wilderness long enough to develop a taste for bugs. Surely that had to have been a long, long time. But the Word of God came to him and visited him there. The Word of God came to him right where he was. And when it did, like any good prophet, John had to leave what he had grown accustomed to his own comfortable wilderness and go back into that which was real wilderness for him, the society of those heads of state and leaders of religion, the place where his brand of prophecy was not looked kindly upon, a place where camel's hair was entirely out of fashion. And to add insult to injury, not only did John enter into this uncomfortable place, but he bore a difficult message. God is coming, get ready. Change the landscape. Change your lives. The world as we know it is shifting. John the Baptist preached forgiveness of sins and the baptism of repentance, undermining the authority of the religious establishment, and John made himself less and less popular every time he opened his mouth. But that was John's call. The voice of God came to John in the wilderness, unbidden, When you are visited by the voice of God, you listen, you go, you preach. The challenge for us, inherent in John the Baptist's actions, is to examine our lives and cultivate practices that make us ready for the voice of God. We don't have to live out in the literal jungle wilderness all the time to live in a way that reminds us daily, hourly even, that the center of our lives is Jesus, the Christ. We would do just fine to name our own wilderness, to understand that cacophony of sounds, images, and experiences that vie for our attention. That is wilderness enough to distract us from the message of Christ. But we don't always remember. We don't always recognize that we are in a wilderness far from God, far from that which is worthy of our love and attention. So we need that voice, that spitting, honking voice of John the Baptist to remind us of our mission in the world. The modern world and a gospel-centered life are not mutually exclusive. The voice of John crying, Make way, make way, reminds us that we can. And indeed, we must live in a way that points always and only to God, not to the world around us. And when we figure out how to do that, we must speak that message aloud in a world that could use some hope. It could use a way out of meaninglessness. God takes us to uncomfortable places. God finds us in uncomfortable places. We aren't expected to stay there forever, but we are expected to grow, to learn something that we can take with us into the larger world, back into that comfortable, polite society, and then stir things up, make others just a little uncomfortable too, so that the message spreads and the world changes. We are called to change the world with our words, God's words, really, words that will find us in the wilderness and then drive us out into the places that need to hear them. We may occasionally be seen as stinky, spitting 'er ne'er-do-wells, but that is the mark of a good prophet. Truth isn't always popular, it isn't always comfortable, but it is world-changing. So prepare ye the way, my friends, prepare ye the way.